Every winter, your nice hosts take a break from new episodes of the program to work on a project together, serving up nice replays each week for you to enjoy while we're on hiatus. But this year, we're doing it a little differently. For this year's hiatus project, we're taking a card game prototype that we created for an episode of Nice Games Jam, codename Roboston, and developing it into a full game. What's new this year is that we'll be recording our live weekly working sessions and posting them each week, unedited, to Patreon. Representing hours and hours of bonus material is a chance to hear every one of the ums and sidebars you don't normally hear on the show, and you'll probably hear my dogs too. So if you want to be a fly on the wall as three game designers work to refine mechanics and optimize the number of laughs per round, you'll need to become a patron of the program by going to patreon.com slash nicegamesclub and supporting the show at any level. As a patron, you'll also get our special 200th episode bonus segment and more. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. Once you've done that, come back here and have a listen to this week's nice replay. Game Dev in the Philippines, episode 176. Take your time, bud. Thanks. Cool. (laughs) Take three. Game Dev in the Philippines, episode 176, originally published on May 26th, 2020. We had a lot of international guests on the show this year, And I chose this episode because Ryan Sumo of Squeaky Wheel Studio was our first. And it was really new for us, and it was a really cool experience. Plus, Ryan has a great dry sense of humor that I think you'll enjoy listening to the first time and the second time, maybe even the third time. Hello. Hi, Ryan. (laughs) Hi, Ryan. Hello. Hi, I'm Ryan Sumo, and I make nice games. (laughs) Awesome. I love uh, it. A, a dear listener, of course, the lag for all the way around the world is, you know, is, is, is responsible for that delay. So it's, Ryan's yeah. perfect. Nailed yeah. it. Exactly. Great, yes. great timing. The music had to go all the way through the tubes. Yep, yep exactly right. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, you're from, uh, you're in the Manila in the Philippines right now, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's late for us. It's like nine, it's 9 p.m. and it's 10 a.m. over there. Which is it was kind of complicated mm-hmm. to get the time that worked for us, but we made we made it work. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for uh, for adjusting. You know, we're, we uh, at Nice Games Club are going to have to get used to doing more of these because uh, Ryan, you sort of just sent us an email and said, "Hey, I've heard of your show. I'd love to be on it." And we were like, "We've never talked to anyone that far away. We should be doing more of that." <laughs> and so, so you sort of inspired us yeah. to, especially now that we're all. You know, we are within just a few miles of each other, but it really is, is we're just as close as we are to each other as we are to you in an era where everyone yeah. is doing these things remotely. And so um, it's to sort of make sense, like we don't we should be doing more uh, guests from far away. And so uh, you're a, you're our first from as far away as you are. So <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, thank anyway. you. Well, yeah, actually, that's exactly why I started reaching out to to people. Um, <laughs> I realized like all of my social interaction, like for the past couple of months has been through video screen so and why the heck not like talk to people from around the world so yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah well thank you we're, for we're all one out. community now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's very true it's very true so um, i want to know like what what is it like to develop games in the philippines i i feel like i haven't heard a lot about the game dev scene there and I'd like to hear about mm-hmm. from you 
Um, so the, the community is kind of small. I mean, comparatively small. Um, it's been growing for, for quite some time. Uh, I think I've been in it for around 15 or more years, maybe. So like at the time okay. that I was starting out, um, there was like kind of almost nothing. There was maybe one um, company that was putting out like original content. And most of the work was making um, like small games for like old cell phones. Like I'm not sure if you guys are uh, familiar with like the Nokia cell phones from back in the day. Um, just very, oh, very yeah. basic stuff. Legendary. Um, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They never break. Right. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. And that's a market that we don't we don't really have in the, in, the, in America. Like we, we don't really have that market here. But in in, um, in places in the East, including Japan, like those sort of like uh, feature phone games uh, survived for quite a while. I don't know. I'm not sure so much anymore, but for quite a while. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, the, so the market was very weird. Like we like the way it worked, like there was no like there was nothing like the App Store or anything like that. So you would sell like directly to like the, the telco companies and then like they give you a, a cut. So like a lot of people complain now about steam's like 3070 cut and you know i i I complain about it too let's be honest uh but like back in the day like the 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 cut was more like 70 to the um to like the telco companies and 30 percent to the developers so um it's it's a nice it's a nice change um yeah but yeah now like these days we um it's hard for me to, to quantify. I forget the numbers, but there there is an industry here. Um, a lot of it is like outsourcing. Okay. So um, we like the Philippines is pretty well known for like outsourcing for like um, like call centers. I used to work in a call center for a while, mm-hmm. and now so now like there are companies like um, like Naughty Dog that um, like they outsource like some some of their work here, and uh, so there's a bunch of outsourcing companies. And, um, but recently there's, uh, quite a few like smaller, uh, indie like studios like ours that are starting to pop up and, uh, like just put out some original content. Okay. That's super cool. Yeah. Ryan, would you mind, uh, giving us kind of like a tour of your career, how you got started and where you went then? And, <laughs> um, yeah, a brief sure. overview of those 15 years, <laughs> um, <laughs> the way back machine. Oh boy. So like I, <laughs> yeah, I started out, so I was working in a call center and, I just like answered an ad for like this small company that was making um, like these mobile mobile games. I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the Game and Watch, like from Japan, like those very like LED. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was like it was that like kind of simplistic kind of uh, game, and so yeah, I answered the ad like who who didn't want to do like uh, who didn't want to work on games, and it was like kind of cool. And that but that company went under in like I don't know eight months. <laughs> Um, so I switched to another mm. company that was also working on mobile games and it went under in around like seven to eight months. There's a, so there's kind of a pattern here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of just jumped from one like company to another. Um, but like to get to where I am right now, probably started from, uh, someone saw my portfolio on DeviantArt, like maybe 10 years ago. And he was working on a, um, on a DS game. So this was a guy that had worked previously worked in Sega. We're working on a DS game. So he hired me like to work on the game for for a year. Um, and then 2008, like the financial crisis happened, and no one was publishing mm-hmm. games. So he had to let me go. And from that point on, I had put money down on a on a condominium. 
Um, and so I was paying a mortgage. Oh boy. And so I lost that job and I was like, well, I'm, I'm kind of screwed now. Uh, so I figured, uh, I would try my hand at like freelance art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, so this was the time that 2008, maybe I think was when the Apple like app store was starting to like kind of blow up and everyone wanted to be a millionaire by making like an Apple, like an iPad, like an iPhone game. And so there was a lot of work for, for freelance artists. Then like I just built up my portfolio over time uh, up to the point where I was starting to get some, some actual clients like coming to me. And like my big break probably was a game called Space Chem. I'm not sure if any of you guys are familiar with that game. It was by Zach Tronix. I think I've heard of it. Yeah, I definitely have heard of it. Yeah. Um, so Space Chem was kind of uh, like you're kind of rearranging molecules and it was a very, very like programmer centric game. And it was very appealing to um, a lot of like game developers. And so this came out like when Steam was still pretty young and like getting on Steam was still the golden ticket. Um, so it kind of blew up that led to like the guys from introversion software who made prison architect, uh, saw space chem and they liked, uh, like, the, like the art. And then like they emailed me out of the blue asking if I would be interested in working with them. And so prison architect is kind of its own like story, um, that kind of blew up when prison architect launched, I figured that was kind of the peak of my career as a freelance artist. And I figured it made sense to um, you know start a studio and start putting out uh, my own like our own content. So that's kind of uh, cool. how we got to where we are now. Yeah, I I can't even imagine like running <laughs> my own studio at this point. I like I like how I like how um, your trajectory made sense at the time. Like you could tell like it was time for you to start your own studio. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, do your own things and being able to recognize that moment. It's tricky, right? Yeah, I mean, it was there was an opportunity. Um, it, it just like oh, just a confluence of things. Like I was working on a game on the side just for fun with a friend at this almost at the same time that Prison Architect launched, and like we had both decided, like, oh well, you know, maybe we should pitch this to publishers and see if anyone's interested. And then um, Prison Architect launched at this big event in the UK called EGX. They flew me over, like. And that was the first time I'd, I'd, I'd met them. So they flew me over for the launch. And I was like, well, I'm going to be at this big game event. There's going to be publishers there. Maybe I should pitch the game to them. And so like, I, I basically used like their invitation to bring me over there and to like, just like hunt down some, some publishers. And, uh, and, and we found one. And that's kind of how um, the company started. Yeah, that's what those events are for, right? Yeah, yeah. Is to connect people yeah. and... So I'm curious, you know, it sounds like uh, it sounds like from your description that the the game dev scene in the Philippines has, has really changed over the last 10 mm -hmm. years. It's probably changed everywhere. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, like, how how did it grow with you? Like, who are who are where are some of the communities and how's the game dev scene in the Philippines um, evolved with you? And what is it like now? Um, yeah, there were there was all there were always like um, people, I guess, like trying to grow the uh the community there there's a bit of a divide though not, not not like a not like an angry divide but like there's a kind of a divide between like um the companies that are more i guess like business oriented and like looking for mm. like looking for contracts for for outsourcing and stuff and so they started an organization called gdap the game developers association of the philippines and so that's been going on for quite some time actually. And so like they work with government and like they do like these like 
of visits or, or tours of different countries and stuff and like basically trying to do business matching and stuff like that um so that's like kind of more corporate side and uh, at some point i was kind of involved with that and then but i'm kind of business oriented but i'm all i'm kind of straddling the line between like interested in business but also interested in like art i guess mm-hmm. you sort of have to be right? yeah yeah so at, at some point i tried to help like kind of rejuvenate the igda it, it's weird i think the igda is not really meant to be like community building in 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 that sense um but i i kind of used it to uh kind of like rally like the the local community um around around game dev and like we would do like monthly meetups where it was mostly just like kind of a way for 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 the community to get together and like exchange ideas yeah like i was i was doing that for three years uh we did like the first um game jam in 2010 like we joined the uh the global game jam for the first time in 2010 awesome and ever since then um like yeah we we've been doing we've been doing that on an annual basis and when i left like it was great to see that after i left like kind of other people picked up like where i where i left off and it's it's still it's still going pretty strong there's a pretty big like um igda philippines community on 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 facebook that's super cool Mm -hmm. i mean because like there are, you know, I can think of many instances in my own life where a personality was the thing that carried a community mm-hmm. forward. And when that personality has left, then the community kind of withers. Mm-hmm. But you know, you've done something strong. Like, you know, you've built something strong where you, when you can change your role or you can take a step back yeah. and it continues on its own. That must have been really satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was great. And also, I was just tired <laughs> like after three years of, uh, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. It was like, well, I mean, if it, if it falls to pieces, uh, then I've failed. But, I can't go on anyway. So like there was no, it's not like I could have kept going on. Right, so, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I totally relate to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of us will, um, I mean, the, you, the model you describe of like the using IDGA local chapter as a way to rally a, a, a smaller uh, indie community. That's a model that works pretty well for us here mm-hmm. in Minneapolis, but also in places that aren't huge industry yeah. centers. Whereas a place like san francisco like their idga chapter has different priorities and so their their indie scene is different yeah it's like your rights and stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah it is interesting that you want to um build community but not so that you become a pillar of the community you build community so that there's a community for you right so it's it's not everyone's goal to to be in charge of it right (laughs) they just want they want to build the resources so that they themselves can have the resources. Mm-hmm. And so it, which is kind of ultimately good for, you know, so there isn't, uh, you know, there's no fiefdoms, like everyone's in it for each yeah. other. Right. And so that means that, yeah, you're not, you're not there to run it forever. Right. So, yeah. So actually, um, our, uh, my, my co-founders, Marnell, uh, and Tristan, uh, I met, I met them through, through IGDA mm-hmm. specifically, like through, through the meetups and through the game jams. That's kind of how I got, I mean, because I didn't, I never worked with them before. At least I got an idea of like what they were interested in and what they were doing, like um, through, through the game jams and the kind of games that, uh, that they were pitching. So like in that sense, that's, it's definitely had um, a really big like impact on, on, on my life. Yeah. The resources and, and the talent. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just so much, so much that comes from a community of practice or a community of artists um, professional community and how they kind of all intermix and inter all those different focuses intermix and interweave. It's really just irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like, do you have any advice for other people in smaller communities to get something like that started? <laughs> Don't give up. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, there was there were there were times at the start where um, uh, I I heard like literally the some of the the larger companies were were telling their their employees not to attend the the meetings. Wow. Um, partly, I think because like they were worried that. You know, like people would like share secrets, or um, like maybe people would would be pirated. Yeah, and I'd heard sometimes, like some some people who I I consider like kind of like friends now at the time were saying like, why is he why is he organizing this this stuff? Um, so it, it can mm-hmm. be very uh, <laughs> yeah, because I was nobody, right? <laughs> like uh, I was just I just wanted to like build this community. Um, so yeah, so just don't don't give up and don't don't be discouraged. It will be a long and hard road. Like find find a couple of people who share your your vision, I guess your your idea of like what the community can be, and yeah, and then just rely on those people. Go ahead, Mark. Oh, I was just gonna say what I what I like about that story is that it's a it is a perfect model for people because it's um, we we get this at our IDG meetings a lot, which is someone says like, oh, I've been interested in games and game development for years, but I had no idea this existed. Right, and that's like our fault for not like getting the word out. But also the idea of like, oh, I thought that I needed to go to some higher authority for this sort of thing. <laughs> for people who join a community that's started by people like them, mm. um, it is so much inc- so encouraging. You get people who will show up to a meeting and then suddenly they'll start proposing ideas and they'll start, you know, uh, uh, coming up with events of their own right. and other ways to grow the community because they're not looking to someone four or five levels up for permission to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you weren't. It's right. like it's you do it because you can do it, and no one else is doing yeah. it. And so, it, I think it can it can light the fire, you know. Yeah, that's a, that's kind of in line with what I was going to say. I like the part. I actually like the part of your story when you said like there were people saying, "Who the heck is this guy?" <laughs> like this guy is the one who's doing it. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, sure, you might have more experience than him, or you work for a company that everyone recognizes, but that those people weren't the ones putting the meetings together. You know, the the responsibility falls to the people who show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So kudos. Yeah. That's cool. I think it, it, it also helps that like when you're younger and, and dumber and like, yeah, I don't, I, I, I can't imagine. Could I do that now? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a, it was a very specific moment in time where I had like more, more energy than I knew what to do with. So, yeah. Yeah. There's, there are some benefits to being younger and, and stupider. <laughs> Although I do feel like. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just going to a devil may care attitude faster than than the average person. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I, don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there are benefits of age and wisdom, but there are benefits to the opposite also. Yeah, yeah. Are there benefits to age and not wisdom? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like <laughs> like just make sure you're uh, you know uh, leveraging the unique tools you have in that moment in time. Right, like you may not know anything, but that's power. Right, no, that's one hundred percent true. That is one hundred percent true. Like, like the the Mm -hmm. older you get, like the more stuff that you know, like the more stuff that you know can can hold you back. And when when you're young and dumb and you don't know anything, it's like, well, I don't, I, I, there's nothing that nothing can stop me. Right, (laughs) that's a huge. I mean, that's a huge deal. Yeah. And then when something does stop you, like you ignore it and keep going. Exactly. Which if, yep. if you're smarter that you you'll let it exactly, exactly. <laughs> so there, there's there's some virtue to being stupid mm-hmm. just the 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 trick is to be just dumb enough <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> only there a way to measure that like <laughs> <laughs> if only <laughs> uh, 
um, so I wanted to ask, uh, how how do you like sell your games in the Philippines? Uh, I guess you had brought up that like mm-hmm. um, in the past there were a lot of mobile games that were being developed yeah. there, and I guess there's a bit of a market there still. But uh, I want to know. I mean, I, you were describing that a little bit before we started right. recording, like your efforts in promotion mm-hmm. and stuff. I'd like to hear more about that. Um, so within the Philippines itself, it's not really uh, it's not really a great market. For like specifically for like PC games or console games, and that's just because we're poor. Uh, and uh, so like when I was in in, in high school, um, like pirated games were just were just stocked as if they were normal games, right? So I would I would go into a game store and they would have like a pile of pirated games. Like it was so um, it was so prevalent that like I actually had a um, like a favorite pirate brand. And like, so they had their own logos. So like my favorite pirate brand was called Players. And like, I like them partly because they, they also like kind of pirated the logo of the Indiana Pacers basketball team. But instead of Pacers, it said <laughs> Players. And so I was like, huh? Oh, wow. I trust these guys. They're, they're serious. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, yeah. They're committed to their, to their craft. So I'm like, mm-hmm. there's, there's a very like, I, I, I like, for for a, for a time when like I kind of thought about being a journalist, I I felt like there was a real story somewhere there about like discovering like these pirate networks and like 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 how how they operate and stuff. Like I think I still think that that would be a very interesting story. But anyway, um, I I, I digress. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so so there's a a culture <laughs> of um like buying pirated games, um, which exists up to now. Like I, even even like I've had these like uncomfortable like conversations with like people like my age like i i I kind of um i kind of excuse myself for buying pirated games when i was a kid because i didn't know any better and like i couldn't afford it so like whatever whatever but like there there are some people like my age now who are um you know whatever like successful uh professionals and like they'll they'll like openly tell me hey i bought this i bought this pirated game and i was like dude like you know what i do (laughs) that's not cool like you shouldn't be telling me this like i mean you can keep doing it but at least yeah try to hide it um yeah, so back back to the market. So there 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 exists a a market like for pirated games, and so like trying to sell um, like a PC game here is not it's no recipe for success, just because there's not a lot of people either able or willing to to buy the game. Um, that's changed actually somewhat over the years. Um, we've been pleasantly surprised, like when we go to local conventions, like uh, this really sweet guy, like he um, we were selling our our game. Um, like at a, at a 50% discount, I think, um, because like we just wanted to um, encourage people to buy like local games and stuff. And like, he's like, no, no, please take, like, I, I want to give you the, the whole, the whole price. Like I want to give you 100% of the, the cost of the game because you guys, you know, whatever, like you deserve it and we want to support you. So um, that's been very Yay. encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. In general, like our, our goal is like not to, to market games locally, but like globally really. So mm-hmm. um a lot of our marketing outreaches like to like to the US um to Europe and uh, even like to other markets like like Japan um and that's that's how we're able to survive and you know at the same time we we try to work with uh, lo- the local community but yeah we wouldn't be able to survive if we tried to depend on the local community that's for sure, mm-hmm. sure. just not big enough mm-hmm. I think that's probably similar to smaller markets like like us here in the Twin Cities. I don't think anyone ever 
I mean, partly because we're a U.S. state, yeah. so we have the United States yeah. as our home territory. So we don't think about it in the same terms, mm-hmm. I think. When I think about our community and developing games, I think about supporting the developers in our community, but I'm not really that concerned who plays my games, mm-hmm. right. I, I suppose. Like, I'm not, mm-hmm. that, I, I'm not particularly uh, interested in Minnesotans <laughs> playing. I mean, I, maybe if I think about it, that'd be nice, yeah. <laughs> but it's not really something I'm interested in as a marketing angle. Mm-hmm um necessarily and but i think the exceptions are as you described like local events yeah. like you know hand you know selling steam codes on a piece of paper yeah. or something at a convention like there's something about selling locally that is nice but isn't the main aim right. uh, i mean the whole the whole market the whole industry is global right mm-hmm. like gamers don't really care where the game they 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 bought was made either yeah there's um yeah so like i attended a talk before um where like uh uh, an entrepreneur was like talking about like, you know, there's a lot of like companies or whatever that they kind of trump up the fact that this game or this object or this this business or something was made in the Philippines. And that's great. You know, like that's, you know, it's good to have like local pride and to be to be proud of yourself and where you come from. But that no one cares. Yeah. No one, no, no one in the world like really, really cares. So just like his advice is just focus on making a good product and then. And then and then say that hey we're from the Philippines and then that that will change like the um, the perception of, of people about the stuff that comes out of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can once once you they've got a game they love, yeah. then they can take that love and then give it to other people from that region. Right. But you can't expect them even if they are local, yeah. right? You yeah. can't expect them to have any particularly love unless you prove it to them at first, right? right? So that's a that's a longer process. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about like the relationship between local like local development and then global audience in the same way before. Mm-hmm. That's really fascinating though. Uh, tell us a little bit more about some of the conferences that you were just mentioning. Um, I'm assuming those are local <laughs> conferences in yeah, the Philippines. I mean, RIP game conferences, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of nice, but also kind of sad because like conferences are really exhausting. Oh gosh, yeah, very much. You, so. you also kind of miss the the energy. Also true. There's a big conference here called EGX. Uh, oh, no, sorry, EGX. That's that's the one in the UK. Um, it's called EG ESGS. I I don't know. I don't know what it, what ESGS stands for. Something. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes for you. <laughs> electronic sports and gaming something. Yeah, so that's like the biggest, uh, probably the biggest local um, event. So we're always there. So yeah, then, and every year there's like a, an indie, like it's called the Indie Fiesta. So there's like a small block of it that's devoted to indie games. Um, that's run by a, a, a lady called Gwen Foster. So she's like one of the very active local um, like cheerleaders for, 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 for the community. And uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of where where we would go locally, um, and, and regionally we we've been to uh, events like Level Up in um, in Kuala Lumpur in in Malaysia, and that's that's been nice. Um, one of my favorite like conferences is Bit Summit in uh, in Japan. So I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but like that's been going on for like around five, six, I think maybe seven years already. Um, mm-hmm. And that's one of uh, that's that's pretty cool because like Japan is like um, one of my favorite places one, um, and it's only like four hours away from us actually, so like it's it's mm. relatively close and it's a great like Bit Summit itself was a great mix of like 
like Japanese developers and other Asian developers and like people from the US and the and Europe also flying in. So that's been like I've, I've met a lot of really cool um, people there. Yeah, and uh, we, we we've gone to the U.S. a couple of times. Also, it's not um, my preference just because of the the distance, yeah, and also the cost, uh, the cost of uh, yeah. tickets. But we've we've done like we've done packs. I like packs a lot actually as as an event. I don't know if you guys have ever gone, but like as just an event for like a gamer or like someone interested in games, they've got some really really good yeah um, talks. That was my experience too. I went uh, last year. Uh, no, two years ago I think it was about two years ago, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was that was my experience. Like it was a cool event, um, it, and it was it it felt like such a spectacle. Yeah, just to be yeah. there. I always feel like now that I'm you know in games, I feel like I'm never going to be able to go to one of these events as a consumer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can. There's nothing yeah. stopping me from doing yeah. that, other than you know the current state of the world. But right. absent that, I feel like I'm never going to want to spend like a whole week traveling and going to an event just to like just to play Nintendo demos or walk around yeah, the show floor. Yeah. I'm not going to let myself do that anymore. It's it's too late for me. It's like, oh no, <laughs> I'm just out on all that fun. Because yeah, PAX does seem way better for attendees than it does for yeah. exhibitors. So, okay, so we were talking a little bit about, you know, you mentioned like one of the, uh, you have been going to that conference mm-hmm. every year, except for this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that sparked us thinking about what kind of changes you've seen in your workflow as a result of COVID-19 not it's not really <laughs> um so we so squeaky wheel uh our, our company we're um we mostly work from home yeah so previously what we would do was uh we we'd work in like two week sprints that's like agile development talk um so we work in two week sprints and we would meet like um once every two weeks just as a like you know like have a face-to-face um do the meetings like some you know some things are just easier like to like do hand gestures in front of each other and point to stuff. Mm-hmm. You, know, you do those kinds of discussions, and then we'd usually like play board games and have dinner afterwards. And uh, yeah, so the only thing that's changed really is that the board games are now uh, digital, and and like all the interactions are now through Zoom. Yeah, on to be honest, it's not really um, affected us hugely in in terms of like um, production. We're we're mostly like. We feel like hashtag blessed where we can work from home and uh, <laughs> yeah, we we're still making money like people are still buying games. And so like we've definitely we, we put some thought into like uh, donating as much money as we can to like, you know, like our local COVID related uh, issues um, just because we know that yeah. we have it so much better than than everyone else. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. It's good to hear that. um Kind of your setup hasn't changed in terms of events. Although I am sad that you aren't able to have dinner together. That bums <laughs> yeah. me out. No, I mean, events like we're right now looking at like a lot of these events are becoming like digital only, right? So that's that's something where we're exploring right now and like kind of seeing. Um, seems like an opportunity, right? Because at least now, like you can kind of join an event and you don't actually have to be present mm-hmm. right. and like have the, all those uh, expenses. Um, so yeah, so that's something we're definitely um, exploring, like in terms of uh, like finding like exposure, and like I guess like podcasts like this are also part of that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it seems like there are uh, maybe the opportunities for uh, community building and customer relationship mm-hmm. and marketing and all those kinds of things that events were always so great at. Uh, maybe there are the opportunities now are not as strong, but there is probably going to be many more of them and access to them 
is going to be greater and more widely distributed. Right. So a lot of the longtime complaints about events like GDC, um, you know, now that more of those things are online, maybe they're not as good, but more people can benefit from from them. And over time, maybe we'll find a um, a balance where we'll take all the good things we learned in this time and apply them in the aftertimes. You know? <laughs> um, right. Here's hoping. Yeah. yeah Post COVID. Yep, yeah. Yep. We, we talk about it like it's a, it's a real thing, but like no one wants, we don't want to like jinx it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Knock on wood and all that. We're all counting on it. We're all expecting it, but no one's, no one's, you know, really, no one's going to put a, like, oh, I'm definitely keeping my October plans. Like <laughs> no one's there. Yeah, yet. no, that's really weird. <laughs> right. My wife and I actually had plans mm -hmm. to go to Spain um, in March, like more end of March, early April. And mm -hmm. like, um, that was yeah. exactly when everything started to blow up. And so like, like, ah, okay. Like there was, there was like a week or two of me just like trying to cancel everything I could and see if I could get refunds. Um, and, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's so weird to like not know or not be able to plan, um, like for the future. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's beneficial for people who work the way we all mm -hmm. do that, you know, we, we are able to adapt. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, it doesn't mean that there's no trouble, uh, in now or ahead, but, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. So you might have heard of this thing called Twitter. T Twitter? What? Yeah, what is that? Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. It's a place where you go to tweet. If you feel like tweeting, you do it on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. There's nowhere else I can do that. Nope. It's the only place you can tweet. Ah, oh, interesting. Right. Okay. Tell um, me more about this Twitter. You can also follow people and get cool news and content. But oh. who would I follow of all well, the people? You would follow the Nice Games Club Twitter account. Oh. At nice Games Club. Okay. Tell me on it. Yeah. So there's a lot of cool stuff that happens on this Twitter account, let me tell you. Um, and that's because Dale runs it. Dale is really cool. Dale makes great jokes. And Dale often tweets pictures of cats <laughs> on our Nice Games Club right. We didn't. We account. didn't ask her to do that, but she's doing that. <laughs> that's that's good leadership. Yes, that's true. Um, which we'll talk about in the next episode. But like, yeah. if you you know you see a need and you fill it, and that's what Dale did. Filled that's that need. Did. Filled that need with cats. Filled right. the need with I cats. So here's an example of a recent tweet. Um, Dale said, "Debug is when you take insects out of the washing machine." <laughs> It's true. It's true fact. <laughs> yes. And I this is this is an angle on game development you're not going to get anywhere else. It's really unique. <laughs> so if you are on Twitter or if you'd like to explore the Twitterverse, start with Nice Games Club at Nice Games Club on Twitter. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba. Um, in uh your email that you uh, sent us, in my self promotional email. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> My openly self-promotional yeah. cold email where I asked if I could oh. be a guest on the show. Yeah. To be to be honest, I was yeah, impressed yeah. with the email. I don't it's a weird thing to say, I guess, but you were impressed by the balls on this guy. <laughs> Just the temerity. Like. Yeah. Um, but you, you mentioned you mentioned like being transparent about being a game dev. And I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you like what that means to you and I guess what that means for the greater game dev community. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like misinformation about game development, right? I mean, there's a lot of misinformation about everything, like fake news, right? You know, like you're never going to be able to like teach everyone or inform everyone about like the realities of uh, of game development and like what the costs are and everything. And so a lot of people like they just choose not to not to deal with it. I guess um, mm-hmm. like a lot of game developers, like ah, there's a lot of like. F, F players sometimes and like some of the the indie like game dev communities I like I kind of swim in um there's a weird like antagonism towards players like because like you know like mm. they sometimes like spread um stuff that's like not true about like all oh, these like lazy lazy devs and million dollar like devs and like and so mm-hmm. um that creates a lot of weird like tension you know like in in, in some way like I guess just the way I'm wired is I don't want to think of my players in that way. I don't think it's healthy. So like, I just try to um, spread as much information as I can out there about like, you know, like how much does a, a game developer really earn? It does make me a little bit nervous sometimes because like, you know, you, you can be misinterpreted even though you, you, um, you, you try as best as you can to be clear and like explain everything. You, you can still be misinterpreted. Um, so like one of, I think, I think I linked you guys to um, an article that um, I think Simon Carlos did. Like I, I shared some of our like financial information um, with him. And, um, and so basically like technically we've um, squeaky wheel as a company has made like over a million dollars. Right. And uh, that sounds, mm-hmm. that sounds like yeah. amazing, right? Like, Oh, you're a millionaire right now. Right. Um, yeah, but then like I broke down, um, <laughs> like okay, so like thirty percent of that growth goes to Steam, and Steam is just like right. the the marketplace. Like you know, go go humble, go epic, go whatever. But like, um, it's just it's not even close. So like thirty percent of that um, revenue goes to Steam. Uh, we have like two 
like investors in the game they help help fund the game so 20 percent of of the game's revenues uh go to them um there's a, a pretty sizable chunk that goes into like taxes and um like other like overhead like we we just started like we paid for for unity licenses because like we we'd gone over like the the unity like indie cap thing mm-hmm. and yeah and, and then it's like three three years worth of, of of development so like you kind of chop up all of that and then what's what's left is like a relatively like small amount so and as a company we we do like a, a profit sharing uh thing where like depending on how long you've been with the company and like um there's like a percentage of profits above like our, our minimum level that we need to operate for a year that we uh just distribute to to everyone in in our small company so yeah so like i just i, I like um being able to explain these things so that at least there's maybe one more person i don't know how many people read it i don't know how many people like kind of absorbed it but at least there's one or two people out there who won't be mouthing off about lazy devs and like you know like rich devs or whatever um, so that's kind of the idea. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. uh, one, one changed mine yeah. at a time. Yeah. It, it can be very exhausting. <laughs> uh, it can be very exhausting. Yeah. Well, it's that culture of secrecy that I think that comes from right. the top of the industry that ends up meaning that like, yeah, your average gamer is like saying like, oh, this game for $15, yeah. it looks pretty good. That developer, uh, right. you know, must be swimming in it. And I don't feel bad about uh, right. negative attitudes towards them. And when they go out and say, oh, we're having trouble or yeah. they, when they raise their price or when they don't mm-hmm. participate in the summer sale or whatever, like it's so easy to have that. Inte- and it's not entirely yeah. the gamer's fault because they just don't have the information in front of them. And so that's why like, yeah, you, you publishing and posting that information is really valuable, not just for us devs to yeah. see how other devs do it, but yeah, for gamers to see like, this is people just make, yeah. just make mm. getting by. Right. You think about it, break it down. Like, why of all the things that a lazy person could choose to do with their time? <laughs> yeah. Why would they choose game development? Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> for real though. That's a very good point. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason that that we're exploited for our passion, right? So, like, yep. It, yeah. it, I mean, it helps us. Like, you know, honestly, like, you know, obviously, there are some benefits to us, right? Like, uh, being open about this stuff is it's kind of a form of marketing. Um, it's like, oh, like this is, mm. it's the, tr- these are the transparent oh, yeah. devs. These are the honest devs, whatever. Um, and like being open about these things also kind of humanizes us to our players. And I haven't received a death threat yet. So that's so good. From my perspective, it's working <laughs> right, right. You know, so far. Yeah. It's a way, it's a way to engender right. support amongst your player base yeah. in a way that is honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'll cut you some slack. They'll, they'll, uh, you know, maybe they'll be interested in, in a full priced game and, um, you know, just like that story of, of, of that person yeah. at that local convention, like they, they want to pay full price right. because they believe in you and anything that can get a gamer to believe <laughs> yeah. in you. It's voodoo, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a personal connection rather than a market connection, right? right? A market connection is a sale, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like knowing that there's a person who made the thing that you love and like w- wishing them good. Right. That's, that's why I want to be a part of the game dev community. Like it's why I engage like in any art. Is for that human right. connection. Sounds like sounds like good work you're doing. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Ellen, your voice is like uh, it sounds like good work, but <laughs> it's tough work. Well, yeah, I mean, like Ryan, Ryan kind of said that a little bit ago too. Like, first of all, developing a game is hard. Yes, 
and then going out and changing. (laughs) 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 Here we are. It's 10 p.m. on a Saturday night, and we're just talking. We're making a podcast about the game. We're not even doing the game part. Anyway, yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and you put you know your heart and your soul into the thing that you've made, and you know that it's not necessarily going to make you the next Bill Gates or whatever, but you do it anyway. And to, to you know have people accuse people like us of being lazy because yeah. of something, it 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 can cut. It can be tough, and and getting through that and continuing the work despite that kind of personal feeling yeah. criticism is exhausting. I have been yeah on the end of that. Uh, so like, I have been like in in positions like where I'd, like reading reviews or like on Reddit or whatever, um, where I've just sat in front of my 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 monitor and like my keyboard and like, do I respond? Do I respond? Um, yeah. <laughs> in general, I don't like. I'm f- totally fine if like people say that the game is bad because that's just a matter of opinion, right? Like, it'll work for you or it won't work for you. It, that's fine but like yeah what really really gets my goat is like when 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 someone insinuates that like we were like lazy or not working hard enough i'm like dude like my my dude <laughs> yeah like i had to tell everyone that we shouldn't stop working on weekends like this is not healthy you know just to lead by example i'm like i'm just not gonna work on weekends you you guys can keep working but like i'm telling you not to work um find like you know whatever like other non-gamey stuff to do um because yeah like we 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 already pushed ourselves like uh harder than than we have to and so like anytime like yeah. someone insinuates that we're lazy like i guess that's that's when i that's when i respond and like you know i, I just say hey, you know what just just say that you don't like the game that's fine um but don't don't call us lazy because like it's it's just mm-hmm. not true and it's insulting right right yeah well that an example that example you said is good too because if you know if, if someone's working if they're crunching to satisfy the person yeah, yeah. who's calling them lazy. Right. It's just a fool's errand. Yeah. It'll never happen. Right. I mean, if you're, you know, like people crunch for lots of reasons and there's debate about what's, yeah. you know, how many of those are legitimate reasons, which I think, I think we'd all agree that list is incredibly small. Um, but certainly nowhere near it is uh, to satisfy right. your critics on Reddit. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, speaking of work, I'd like to hear a little bit from you, Ryan. I want to hear you talk a little bit about some of the games you've been involved in making and what's coming up next for you. So right now we're working on a game called Academia School Simulator, and that's uh, the game that like I sent to you guys. And uh, so yeah, that's like a yeah, school builder. So like you like build, operate, and, and manage a school. Like you hire the teachers, you hire the janitors, and try to make sure that the uh, that the kids pass um, their their exams and go to prestigious universities um, so that's what we've been working on for like the past uh, three and a half years roughly mm. and it's still an early access uh, we're hoping to release it sometime this year like version one um, so that's something to to look forward to and, and at the same time we're um, so like part of the the community building thing that we were talking about before, uh, I was very excited when I found that there were other uh, indie PC studios that are popping up here, and uh, like I found one just really randomly on Twitter. Like uh, I was I was looking at I was just looking through my Twitter and I saw this game that looked interesting. That their address was like 
um, .ph. It was a .ph address. I'm like, oh, that's Philippines. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So like I, I dug in a little bit deeper and I found out that they live here. And yeah, I visited that team and I really liked the game that they're working on. And like we just kind of built a relationship. And then eventually last year we um, we agreed that um, Squeaky Wheel would publish um, their game. And now that game is called uh, Ruin Arc. And uh, that should be hitting... Uh, fingers crossed it should be hitting um, Steam Early Access in August uh, 2020. So that's definitely something that we'd like you guys to cool. uh, to check out. It's uh, Imagine that you are, if you're familiar with RimWorld, like imagine you are the storyteller in RimWorld and you're just like wreaking havoc on, uh, on people's lives. That's kind of the basic idea of the game. <laughs> so like my usual Tuesday. <laughs> Sounds like a game for you then. Perfect. <laughs> so you you became a publisher almost by accident. It sounds. Yeah, I mean, like we we're not like that's not really in our DNA, right? Um, there are people who are go out there mm-hmm. and like their goal is just to be to be a publisher. That's great. Like you know, they're they're out there regularly scouting for games. Um, but like for for us, it was more like uh, and, and and for the team also at um, shoot like. I forgot how to pronounce their their their, their team's name, like Maxima. It's M A C C I M A. But anyway, so like for for, for the guys, it was also like they were looking for for publishers from like around the world, also. But um, you know, there, there there is a sense of trust. Uh, I mean, that goes back to like the transparency thing, right? So like because we're we're transparent with with mm-hmm. with, with how we go about things, and we've built like a, a sense of trust um, with, with them. And, you know, of course it helps that like you can do a face to face with them. They, they literally like work in a, in a condo that's like five minutes away from where my parents live. And so like, there was just one time where I visited my parents to have dinner and then I was like, all right, I'm going to go like meet these guys. And I walked over and that's, that's how I first met them. And so, that's awesome. yeah, so that, that was, yeah. And, and that kind of like goes, um, like full circle, I guess, with the community building. And it's like now, you know, we started just like meeting up every month and now like I'm in a position um, where we can actually fund another studio and that that was a really great feeling for me. And so was moving into that, you know, new sector, (laughs) the new business sector, was that really uh, purely a matter of you just happened upon the perfect first uh, game to do it with? Or was it more about the team itself? Or was it something that in the back of your mind, you're like, I'd love to do this. And you were you were searching? No, I mean, it was just kind of like like what we were talking about earlier, right? Just like the the opportunity like kind of presented itself. Um, like it was just so random. It it, it felt mm-hmm. so random that like serendipitous. Even it, yeah, it just felt like it it was so we we had to do something. I mean, I mean at the start I wasn't uh, I wasn't like pitching to them really hard that like oh we want to publish a game we want to publish a game. We were like um, you know if if uh, I had some contacts in like uh with with like the wider like publishing community i've even like somehow managed to get some conversations with like paradox interactive and i think they this is a kind of game that they might be interested in and so i was definitely like offering to hook them up with like uh with with, with different publishers like my my goal was just to make sure that they finished this game and like um put it out there and whether or not we were Mm -hmm. directly involved in that like as a publisher or just as you know as uh friends like um helping them out um, yeah, it didn't really matter to me. Okay. 
I mean, I hope it makes us money because we 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 did put in a bit of money. So uh, I do hope it's successful. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We never don't hope that it makes <laughs> money, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Well, there's something sort of um, appealing about that story mm. for a potential customer, right? It's like this game was so interesting that it 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 got right. someone into this business, right? Mm-hmm. Into this part of the business. That's a, I think that's a story. I think pe- that will appeal to people, right? And, and it serves your uh, philosophy of sort of transparency mm-hmm. as a marketing tool, right? It's something interesting about, for me at least, and maybe for others, but as someone who does like to support community, like local game dev communities and local art communities, there's something really cool about how close you guys were in location. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, like that's not going to happen between me and someone in like Pennsylvania <laughs> on the other side of the country, right? Um, and oftentimes people forget that Minnesota's a state because we're in the middle of flyover country. Uh, we're not on the East Coast. We're not on the West Coast. We're just kind of in the middle of the continent where the planes pass. Even though like we've all made a connection because Ryan emailed us from the other side of the world, I wonder if the fact that you guys were like in, in the Philippines and you are a smaller community kind of like broke down some of the barriers that would normally be in place with people who are from different, like just different companies. Yeah. I'm curious if you have any thoughts oh, on that. Definitely. Uh, like without, without maybe treading into like racial stereotypes or anything, like there's definitely like, that's culturally, I, I'm sure that's a big deal. Like for, for us, like, I mean, in, in general, like for, 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 for people, right. Like having at least a face-to-face interaction, there's so many like subtle ticks and nuances that like you display to someone um, when you're having a face-to-face conversation with them that you wouldn't be able to pick up on, like, say, in an email, right? Like, you could maybe write very professional emails mm-hmm. like me, uh, <laughs> but you're actually a, uh, a psychopath in, in real life. And, like, if, if you actually had a conversation with me, maybe you'd, you'd pick up on, on, on some, of those, uh, some of those cues. So, like, actually having that interaction, one, is super important. And, and definitely, I think, for, for us, so like for, for, for better or for worse, um, there is a, there's still a very big, I think, cultural uh, aspect to like face-to-face interactions and like kind of dealing with someone of your own nationality, I guess. Like there's, even though obviously it's not true, like we, like we, we prey on each other all the time. Like, you know, there are bad business deals that happen all the time. There are like bad people in every, every country and every like, um, every situation there there it does give i think a sense of ease i guess if um if you have a common uh mm-hmm. culture and like even just a common language right that that you can that you can speak with yeah. each other so yeah i think that's a uh, definitely yeah. a big deal well there's two ways to come at it right like uh community can be something that you share and that you can work together on like this is a, a, a culture we are together promoting but it could also be the um, the lack of barriers, right? Like there's nothing preventing someone from from countries around the world from working together and having that same connection or having things they share, but there's barriers in place uh, that there there aren't. Like Ellen was was saying, like you're down the street from each other. And so there's just so many things you don't have to worry about. Like forget forget the things you have in common. There's just things you don't not have in common, right? But in either direction is a way you can approach it from. It's like, these are the things like we're, we're let's, let's be part of this community together because we're from here or let's work together and, and, and find things else in common. It's easier because we don't have the barriers preventing us from, from doing that. Okay. So Ryan, I have two more questions okay. for you. 
and they're both going to be, I think, a little quick. The first question is, uh, what kind of games do you and the other members of Squeaky Wheel like Ooh, to play? That's not a quick question. Now I'm just blank. Yeah. Well, um, well, we we obviously we have interest in like these like simulation builder like tycoon games. Um, so for me personally, like SimCity was always a huge mm-hmm. uh, a huge deal for me. Um, I mentioned before, like I was like we I, I was talking to like some paradox people, and like they gave me a uh, a Steam key for a city skylines, but I still haven't opened it because I'm so scared of like just losing mm-hmm. my life to. Uh, another city building game. Um, As someone who has done that recently, the fallen completely yeah. down the city yeah. skylines. Uh, yeah. Well, it, yeah. it, it is it's a risk. A risk. <laughs> uh, so these days, we we usually play like so for for when we're playing together, we play like online board games. Um, I've been playing a lot of a game called Splendor lately. I don't know if if any of you have played that. I love that. I've heard of it. I haven't played it. Oh, oh, yeah. It's, I, it's a really good. I know game. that one. Yeah. yeah kind of sometimes i try to step out of like our usual um like kind of games we're building so that we you you know you can see if there's any way to cross pollinate or like get ideas from other uh genres one of the weird games that i played recently was uh i forget uh i think it's called rock of ages it's it's very bizarre you're you're a boulder or you're using a boulder as a weapon and it's like tower defense mm. slash a boulder rolling game. It's on the Switch. Uh, this I was playing actually the sequel. <laughs> okay. It's very very weird. It mixes like a little bit of like like art history and like I have the story is so bizarre. Like you you you're Atlas, like Atlas carrying the world, and you drop the world, and God gets mad at you, and so you mm. pick up this boulder, and like you're carrying this boulder across Europe. And you're just rolling it around and like crushing armies, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a mix between like getting over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's um, there's definitely <laughs> a um, a Katamari feel in terms of um, some of the gameplay and uh, definitely the sense of humor. It's, it's very Katamari. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I'll have to check yeah, that yeah. out. I would like to. I would like well, to play we'll with a to... rock. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do a uh, a cross cultural exchange. We'll have to send you some of the games that that our community has produced, and you sure, can send sure. us some of the ones yours has. And we can be very polite <laughs> in, our, in our criticism of each other's games and supportive yeah, of yeah, their yeah. futures in the market. Surely <laughs> right? do that. Yeah. Um, so the other question I have for you, Ryan, is where can our listeners find you on the nice, internet? Nice. This is the the whole point of that email that I sent you. Um. <laughs> Uh, it's time, man. Make it count. Yeah, well, now, now I'm now I'm under a lot of pressure. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> boy, I don't know where to go first. Um, well, our, our our main website is squeakywheel.ph. Um, you can also find us on on Twitter and at squeakywheelph. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Ryan Sumo um, and follow Academia Game Academia underscore Game on Twitter and Ruinart underscore Game. Uh, on Twitter as well for for the latest updates. And uh, if you are at all interested in um, being an evil overlord and raining down poison meteors on uh, unsuspecting villagers, 
then definitely wishlist Runark on Steam. I do want to do that. <laughs> I want to do that a lot, yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That was that was very um, spur of the moment. That was almost like, uh, yeah, I, I was visited by um, the Ruinark uh, god. <laughs> the, the, uh, the muse of the one-liners. Yeah. yeah. The muse of the yeah. tagline. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll put all those links in the show notes so listeners who uh, couldn't get their pens out quick enough to scribble it down. Uh, can get it right from <laughs> their, their phone or from mm-hmm. nicegames.club. Well, that's our show. If you liked it, leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app and tell all of your friends, too. If you're interested in any of the topics and all the games we talked about in the episode, make sure to check out our website, nicegames.club, for more show notes and links to resources, including the ones and the games we talked about on this show and in uh, the studio squeaky wheel. So like with playtesting our games, we are always looking for feedback on the podcast. You can go to nicegames.club slash feedback to tell us what you think. Get in touch with us on Twitter at NiceGamesClub, where Dale tweets game dev resources and pictures of cats, or by email at contact at nicegames.club. As Ryan can attest, we do check that email and we respond. (laughs) Ask us questions or give us suggestions for topics. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Right, that's the show. Um, okay, <laughs> we, we're, the recording's done. So, uh, Ryan, you can now tell us what you really think. That was terrible. I'm never gonna do that again. <laughs> no, this is. Uh, it was great. This was great, guys. Thank you so much. Um, I, I enjoyed myself a lot. Thank you so much for having me on. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.